Alright, I'm so pleased that we decided to call this finance series, thank you, say, Abraham School of Finance. And um, as I said to the group this morning, the AM1 service, the reason I'm so pleased is because even though Abraham was part of the Old Testament, he lived in a new covenant relationship with God. We're going to see by the end of this evening that he knew Jesus Christ. Because he was the father of faith. And because he embraced and he entered that relationship in faith, it's exactly the same way you and I enter our relationship with God the Father, through his son Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited, and I was excited, and I hope you've been blessed. I'm sure you have over the last four weeks. And um, this evening, I'm going to be wrapping up with a topic about tithing. But as you're going to see, folks, it simply is an extension of what Pastor Roger shared with you in week one and two, and what Champ shared with you guys last week. And so, I think we're going to be quite encouraged, and we're going to be challenged, and I believe God's going to take us into new and deeper places with Him this evening. Are you ready? An agnostic college professor visited the Fiji Islands. And the Fiji Islands, for many, many years, had been feared because there was a great and wicked and ferocious cannibalistic tribe that lived on these islands. And so this professor went and visited these islands, and he was quite critical as he spoke to the chief, almost apologetic, saying, Chief, I'm so sorry that you and your people have been subjected to the missionaries that told you fairy tales about Jesus Christ. Because nowadays we are much more advanced in our thinking. And none of us, those of us that are intellectual at least, believe those fairy tales any longer. And so I apologize on behalf of those that came before and put these fairy tales and stories into your head. The old chief just listened. And then he said to the professor, Professor, do you see that rock over there? That was the rock on which we crushed the skulls of our enemies. Do you see that furnace next to the rock? That was the furnace in which we roasted their flesh. If it wasn't for those missionaries, if it wasn't for their missions, if it wasn't for the transforming power of the Word of God and the love of Jesus Christ, you, sir, would not be leaving this island alive right now. And we would be feasting on your flesh. And folks, the reason I love that illustration is because it really drives home the power of the Word of God. And no matter what we're studying and what we're discussing, unless we allow the transforming power of God's Word to work on us internally, at best it's only going to be head knowledge which can never, ever last. And so on this Abraham School of Finance and finishing with tithing this evening, it's no different, folks. And what we're going to trust this evening is that God's going to take His Word and speak to us and minister to us. Now, I know that when we speak about tithing, people get nervous. And I want to just say, please, if you're nervous this evening, relax. I'm not about to kind of do one of those uh, timeshare sales jobs on you. You notice we've already taken up the offering this evening, so there's no risk that you're going to leave here being stirred up into some frenzy, giving something you had no intention of giving tonight. Yeah. All right? That's not what this is about. But what we do want to do this evening is as we study God's Word, 
get that full revelation and say, God, you speak to us and show us how this fits into our lives and into our relationship with you. Now, you might be here this evening and you might be one of three different types of people, possibly. Maybe you're here tonight and you just have no form of income. And you've never been able to or can't consistently give and tithe. Well, I want to let you know that before we leave tonight, we're going to trust God and we're going to pray and we're going to trust that God's going to come through for you. So that you can experience the joy of receiving and you can experience the joy of giving. Maybe you're here this evening and you've been faithful. You've been tithing faithfully for many, many years or months or weeks. But you're not, you don't yet have that full revelation, the full truth of what it's about. And I trust that tonight when you leave here, you will never ever have any doubts about what this is. You'll never ever have any doubts about what the true uh, purpose and gift of tithing is all about. Maybe there's some of us here tonight, and you've been struggling with this thing about tithing. God's been blessing you, but you've been struggling. And I want you to know that's okay. And I pray that as we go through it this evening... Those scales those on your eyes, those challenges you feel in your heart are going to be set free as we allow the power of God's Word to do what it does best, and that's transform lives. Are you ready this evening? And so, Lord, we just submit this time to you. We say, God, have your way tonight. Lord, we want to see the truth, the simplicity, the power of your Word taking effect in our hearts and our lives, and we receive that in Jesus' name. And so this evening, folks, I'm going to build on what's already gone before. And tonight I want to touch on three aspects of tithing. First, I want to look at the spirit of tithing. What's the motivation behind it? Why is it that we do it? What is tithing really all about and what did God intend for it to do? What did God intend for it to be all about? Then I want to look at the principles of tithing. What is it and why it's important? And finally, folks, we're going to look at what God wants our attitude towards tithing to be. So three things. The spirit of tithing, the principles of tithing, and then our attitude towards it. And I'm going to probably spend most of my time this evening talking about the first one, and that's the spirit of tithing. And like, I like to give the answers up front so that we know where we're going. And folks, this here is really tithing summed up in a single sentence. It's as a result of my covenantal relationship with God and His financial blessing on my life that I respond to Him in gratefulness as an act of worship. That's how we start tithing. It's because I walk in a covenant with God. Because I experience His blessing in my life, I just say, God, because of that relationship, because of that blessing, in gratefulness, I want to worship You with my finance as well as everything else that is part of my body. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to look at that. Now you'll remember that when Pastor Roger started this series four weeks ago, he started off by talking about covenant. Do you remember that? And how many of you remember what the aspects of covenant are all about? Firstly, when there's a covenant, there's an author. There's somebody who initiates it. And who is it that initiated covenant with us? It was God the Father, wasn't it? The bride of God says that He pursued us like a groom pursues a bride. Like... You know, that's why we've got, these, uh, that's why we've got pre-marriage uh, counseling coming up because we know that there are people out there pursuing their wives. And we want them to pursue them in the right way and marry them in the right way so that they might have a great and happy marriage together. All right? God pursued us. God was the author. He was the initiator. And He said, I want to pursue a relationship with you. Once God pursued it, once God was the author of it, our responsibility was to get into agreement with it. You know, I came along and I pursued Belinda. 
But it wouldn't have gotten to the next step unless she said, you know what, I like this pursuing. I'm quite happy with being pursued and yes, I put my agreement behind it. You see folks, God pursues us. Jesus Christ pursues us. He gave His life for us. But at some stage we get behind it and we say, we're in agreement. Lord, I accept what you did at Calvary for me. And I line myself up behind you because I want to enter that covenantal relationship with you. And once, there's, once He authors it, once we get into agreement with it, you know what? He gives us the assurance. And how did God give Abraham the assurance? Well, every time they made a sacrifice, it was a picture. It was a confirmation of God's covenant. Every time Abraham needed God and God came through for him and blessed him and made up his promises, it was an assurance that God was living up to his part of that covenantal relationship. And folks, in the same way today, when we receive the blood of Jesus Christ, it is the assurance that we're walking in the covenantal relationship with God. And so we're going to go back to Abraham this evening and we're going to go to Genesis chapter 14. And I hope you've got your Bibles with you. And if you don't, you're just going to have to follow with me on the slide. Now, if you were here this morning, you will remember I struggled significantly with all these kings' names. So I'm going to simplify that a bit this evening. And uh, I hope that no one's going to kind of call me a heretic or anything like that. But I'm going to keep the essence of the word the same. All right. So I'll struggle through the names the first time, but then I'm going to sum them up. At the time when Amraphel was king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elazar, Kedor Laome, king of Elam, and Tidal, almost think he lives near the sea, right? Tidal, king of Goyim, these kings went to war against Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemba, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. All of these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Siddim, that is the Dead Sea, and for twelve years they had been subject to Kedor Lomer, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And so there's this big king, big chief king, and, uh, you know, five of these other kings say, you know what, we no longer think you should be the big chief king. And so they rebel. So in the 14th year, Kedulama and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Raphites in Ashtarol, Karnaim. The Zuzites in Ham, the Emites in Shava, Kiriatham, and the Horites in the hill country of Seir, as far as El Peron near the desert. And then they turned back and went to En Meshfat, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites as well as the Amorites who were living in the Hazes on Tamar. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read passages of Scripture like this, I kind of glaze over a bit, right? It's kind of like... And, and I can just see a picture here. I can see Abraham reading a newspaper. And he's reading about all these kings, okay? And he knows of them and he's heard about them. But you know what? It's kind of like... Yeah, okay, so he's reading about these guys that share, that live in the same country as he does. But it's a bit like the jet, the, 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 the 747 that crashed in San Francisco, the Asiana Airline, right? I don't know about you, but I read that and I went, wow, that's shocking. But if that plane had crashed in Johannesburg or in Cape Town, how many of you know I would have been a lot more interested? All of a sudden, hold on, I know people that live in Cape Town. I know Cape Town, I know that airport. I wonder which way the plane came in. All of a sudden, I'd be reading that thing with a little more interest. Okay? So Abraham's reading this thing, but all of a sudden, two names jump out. Sodom and Gomorrah. He knows these names because his nephew Lot lives in the city of Sodom. And so all of a sudden, this thing becomes a little more interesting to Abraham, and he kind of reads with a little more interest. Okay? And on he goes. 
And then the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Sinim against Kedol Armah and all these other kings. Four kings against five. And now the valley of Sidon was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. And the four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and they went on their way. They also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. Hold on. This thing's moved from interesting to Abraham to personal. All of a sudden, hold on, this is not just Cape Town, a city where I might know people. Hold on, I know one of those guys that was on the airline. Let me get hold, let me see if they're okay. So all of a sudden, Abram says, wait a second. And he discovers that Lot, his family and all his possessions have been carried off by these, uh, by these four kings. And so what does Abram do? He galvanizes himself into action. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram, the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mama, the Amorite, a brother of Eshkol and Anna, of all of whom were allied with Abram. And when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And during the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobar, north of Damascus. And he recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the woman and the other people. Now folks, I don't know if this was the beginning of these Israeli strike tactics that was happening in Abraham. But all I know folks is here a miracle took place. Abraham takes 318 shepherds, farmers, servants, slaves, people born in his household. They were trained though. They were ready for something like this. And he goes off after five kings. Sorry, four kings. He goes off after these four kings. Now there's no way Abram, one man with 318 dudes, is going to take out four kings. But God does a miracle, folks. God shows up and all of a sudden, Abram has done, he's, 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 he's had an incredible victory. And he rescues all the people and he rescues all of their goods. And so he's on his way back. And after Abram returned from defeating Kedor Lama and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So hold on folks. All of a sudden there's this massive victory. There's this miracle that take pla takes place. And on his way back, he's met by the king of Sodom, but he's also met by this man called Melchizedek. And something happens in Abram. Remember, there's no law over, over, right now. There is no obligation that he's under. There is no written rule that says, Abram, you need to give 10% of what you have away. But Abram realizes something. Abram recognizes this man who comes out and blesses him, brings him bread and brings him wine. Abram says, hold on, I know that what has been accomplished here was not as a result of my strength, my ingenuity, and he honors this man. He honors Melchizedek, this great high priest, and he gives him 10% of everything that he had. 
Now folks, there's a law in the Word of God. It's called the law of first mention. People that study scriptures will tell you that when something is mentioned for the first time in scripture, it is, it is specifically, it is specific and it gives you the trend with what, the way that thing is used throughout a scripture. And so the first time that tithing is mentioned is here. No obligation. No law. But a heartfelt response from Abram. Graciously worshipping and giving to Melchizedek because he realizes that what he's accomplished is miraculous indeed. And what he's achieved would not have been achievable in his own strength. Now some Christians believe that tithing is part of the old covenant. Part of the law. But folks, as I just said, the first mention of it predates the law. And the whole reason why the law was in place was for one reason and one reason only, and that was to get us back to a relationship of faith with God the Father and Jesus Christ. And so Abraham predates the law. He has this relationship with God. He's in covenant with Him. And as a result of that, he gives, freely gives, out of that covenant relationship with God. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7, because now we're going to see something very interesting about this guy called Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 7 tells us exactly who Melchizedek is. This Melchizedek was king of Salem, that's king of peace, the priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name of Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So let me ask you something, folks. Who is the king of righteousness? Who is the king of peace? Who is the one without beginning of days or end of life? Who is the Son of God? You guys are smart, man. You it's Jesus Christ. So Abraham accomplishes this amazing victory and Jesus meets him. Comes out and blesses him. Why? Because Jesus is in a covenant relationship with Abraham. And Abraham sees this and he says, out of this attitude of gratefulness and worship, he says, I want to bless you. I want to thank you. I want to give the spoils, 10% of the spoils, to you, Melchizedek. To you, my God, my Father, Jesus Christ. And so with that attitude of gratefulness, with that attitude of gratitude, as an act of worship, he gives 10% with a grateful heart. No law, no obligation, just simply does it out of his relationship with God. Now we're going to move on in a little while to talk about the principle of tithe. In other words, what it is and why we do it and where it goes. But I want to address something for a minute. A lot of people are very concerned with Malachi chapter 3. And they say, well, hold on, hold on. If I don't do it, Malachi says I'm cursed. Am I still cursed today? Am I still cursed today under a new covenant? Well, the simple answer, folks, is absolutely not. You do not live under a curse if you don't do something. The Word of God tells us that He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Abraham didn't give a tithe because he was living in fear and he was wondering what Melchizedek would do if he didn't do it. He said, I want to do this out of a grateful heart because, man, we've got a relationship. Now, God is not about to whisk down fiery balls on you if you don't tithe. But I do want to give you another perspective. Covenantal relationship, another example of that is marriage, which is why we take marriage so important and we, we put so much effort into it at His people. You know, folks, I've been married to Belinda this year. It's going to be 20 years. And I, I know, I know. Give God the glory, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm blessed.
But you know what, folks? That covenantal relationship that I have with my wife, the degree of intimacy to which I'm going to have with her largely depends on the choices I make and the choices she makes. When I stood at the altar 20 years ago and I committed to her, I made certain promises. But over those 20 years, I make choices every single day of my life. I can choose to bring her into my deepest desires, passions, fears, and concerns, or I can choose to keep her out. And how many of you know that if I choose to keep her out, there's going to be a level of intimacy that's going to be missing? There's going to be something in my marriage which is not going to achieve the degree that God desires to achieve, that Belinda and I desire to, to be achieved. Does that mean I'm cursed? No. But it does mean that I'm living substandard to the blessing and the anointing that God wants to have in my marriage. And so, I, you know, so we should stop being worried about what God's going to do to trip us up and rather say, God, I want to pursue a relationship with you because I want to build and develop my intimacy with you. And God says, it's your choice. You can decide to bring me into everything or you can keep that part for me and I will keep pursuing you. I'll keep, I'll keep loving you. I'll keep desiring the best for you and I'll wait until you're ready to bring me into that area of your life as well. You see, the other thing about a marriage is that intimacy is meant to be all-consuming. Intimacy is not just something that happens in the bedroom. But I want to tell you something, that what happens in the bedroom is a natural extension of an intimate relationship within marriage. And the lower that level of intimacy is, the more difficult those bedroom opportunities are going to become. And so if I develop... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've all been there, you know, okay? No matter how good a 20-year marriage is, believe me, there have been those droughts, okay? All right? But I want to tell you, folks, that when I try and I pursue Belinda and I say, I want to open up my life to you, when it happens in the bedroom, is a natural extension of what's happening with every other part of our lives. And folks, that's the covenant relationship that God wants each of us to enjoy with Him. Amen. Not that we kind of struggle and kind of like intimate every now and then when we have awesome worship times, and I love these awesome worship times, but that that level of intimacy goes every single day every single minute of every single day, with everything that we do with Him. Amen. And so folks, God is not about to hurl down you know, fiery balls on you if you don't tithe. But God's going to continue pursuing you, loving you, saying that covenantal relationship can go so much deeper, and He's going to wait until you're ready to take it there. So let's look at some of the principles of tithing. Well, firstly, tithe means 10%. We looked it up in the Hebrew, in the Greek, in the English, and the Afrikaans, and the Aramaic. Every single one of those languages, tithe means 10%. Okay? And so when God says, I want you to tithe, He's saying, I want you to give 10% of that which I've given you. Secondly, tithing is the first fruits. It's the first 10%. It's not the last 10% where, you know, may or may not be there any longer. He's saying, I want you to trust me. I'm going to bless you. Abraham took the first 10% and he said, Melchizedek, this is yours. Before they decided what they were going to do with the 90, he said, Melchizedek, there it is. The first fruits, the first 10%, that's yours. Now folks, it's amazing because God allows us to use our own discretion on the 90. He trusts us. Remember, he walks in a covenantal relationship with us. He says, I trust you to be a good steward of that 90%. I'll help you if you want me to. In fact, I'd appreciate it if you brought me into that as well. 
But I want to put up front, there's a 10% non-discretionary part. That 10% belongs to me. That 10% belongs to Jesus Christ. Folks, it's almost like if we take that 10% and we do something else with it, it's almost like you're sitting in a restaurant and uh, we were at Doppio's this afternoon just kind of having a brunch with the kids after the AM1 service. And I was thinking to myself, imagine if I was sitting at Doppio's and I look across the table and a great steak arrives. And the guy's about to climb into the steak. And before he goes, I whip that steak away from him. And I run around the corner to find a beggar on the street and I say, I want to bless you with a steak. Now, how would you feel about me? I just stole somebody's steak to go and bless someone else. I had no right to do that. That steak didn't belong to me. Okay? I could have taken my food and run around the corner and found a beggar on the street and said, yeah, have this scrambled egg on toast. Okay? I could have done that. But I've got no right to take something that doesn't belong to me. And folks, when it comes to the tithe, it's for 10%. God's saying there's no discretion here. This is the part that I want you to kind of trust back to me. And with that 90%, I want you to go wild. I love you. I trust you. Go wild. Use it to invest. Use it to consume. Use it to bless others. Go wild with that 90%. Number four. How long is this going to continue for? Well, because Jesus Christ was Melchizedek, and that predated the law, I believe that tithing is going to continue as long as Jesus Christ remains our high priest. So as long as Melchizedek is around, as long as Jesus Christ is around, I believe that principle of tithing will continue. And so folks, Jesus in fact said this in Matthew chapter 23. The Pharisees came to him, and the Pharisees were very good at holding on to the letter of the law. They understood the letter of tithing, but they missed the spirit of tithing completely. You see, for them, it wasn't a covenantal relationship with God the Father. It wasn't an attitude of gratitude and worship towards Him. It was the letter of the law. 10%, look how good I am. I'm keeping on to the letter of the law. Which is why they missed out on the more important stuff. And that's why Jesus said to them, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, that stuff's more important. Now, this would have been the perfect opportunity for Jesus to say, you know what, tithing is not important. He didn't. He said, it's good that you tithe. But don't neglect the more important things. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Do that whilst you continue to tithe. So Jesus had the perfect opportunity to say, that's it, it's gone, don't worry. From now onwards it's not going to matter anymore. But he didn't. Because Jesus understood that it was part of a covenantal relationship in our response towards him. Friends, something else that's critical, number five, is that there is a connection between the level to which God trusts us with worldly stuff and the level to which he trusts us with true riches and true wealth. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? You know, folks, a number of people I meet struggle and struggle and struggle to get this part of their lives in order. God's Word says, it's quite clear, Come on, if you can't get this part right, how do I trust you with true riches? And I don't believe those true riches are just kind of like more worldly wealth. That may be an aspect of it, but that's a very small aspect. The true riches are the lives of people. The true riches are the spiritual connection that we have in people and in their lives. And so I want to encourage you folks. If you're struggling in this area, let's get this right. Because God wants to build so much more onto this. God wants to take us so much deeper. But he's saying, he's saying, if I can't trust you with this, 
How can I really trust you with what's really, really important? And I believe God wants us in covenantal relationship with Him to get on top of this thing. Amen? So where does it go? Well, folks, Abraham brought it straight to Jesus. He brought it straight to Melchizedek. But as Israel grew, not everybody had that direct relationship with Jesus Christ and with Melchizedek. And so God instituted under the law that the tithe would therefore come to the Levites. They were the high priests. They were the priests. Those were the people that God put in place on the earth to be His representatives, to be the one that would bring the glory, the truth, do the sacrifices, the ones that would keep pointing the nation towards Him. And folks, in the same way, the church is what God has instituted today. You see, I love the fact that we've got our pastors, Pastor Simon, Pastor Lindy, Pastor Greg, who are all employed by the church. And then there's some of the others of us that aren't employed by the church. But I, we rely on these guys, these men and these women, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us. We rely on these people so that they can kind of prepare us, equip us for the works of the ministry. And so the storehouse is the place where the tithe comes today. The place where you believe God has added you. The place where you get fed. The place where your pastors function and operate. And so that's where it happens. The principle is that the tithe therefore comes into the storehouse. And the final principle, the seventh principle, folks, is that it opens the floodgates of heaven. Malachi says, I loved it this evening, we, it was, you know, we hadn't even compared notes, but he says, test me. Because when you do this, test me. You will see the floodgates of heaven open up and pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. And so to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, folks, that's where God wants it to be, and that the floodgates of heaven will then open and pour out upon us. So the principles. Number one, it's 10%. Number two, it's the first fruits. Number three, it's not yours. That is the non-discretionary part. This part belongs to God. Number four, I believe it's going to continue as long as Christ remains our high priest and king of righteousness. Number five, faithfulness with worldly wealth correlates directly to God entrusting us with true wealth, spiritual riches, and the lives of people. Number six, Practically, it comes into the storehouse to fund in the Old Testament the Levitical model, but in the New Testament the fivefold office ministry. And number seven, when we tithe, we allow God to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out upon us such a blessing that we cannot contain. So folks, the spirit of tithing, the motivation behind tithing, is that as a result of a covenantal relationship with God, I respond in gratitude and worship and I say, God, this is yours. The principles of tithing those seven, as we go through it. And the final thing I want to talk about this evening is the attitude of a tither. And the best way for us to do that is through an illustration. And so, I know this is, um, I know this is uh, the evening service and we probably don't have too many kids in here, but do we have any, any children here that are in primary school? Primary school. Are you in primary school? Come on up. Come on up here. What's your name? Yeah, let's give a hand. Come on. What's your name, my dear? Sherilyn. Perfect. Sherilyn, come on, stand on the stage here. Sherilyn's going to help me demonstrate the attitude of a tither. Now, Sherilyn, for the purposes of this illustration, I'm God the Father. And as a result of our relationship with each other, I want to bless you. And so I want to trust you with some things. So, Sherilyn, I've got some rand, one rand coins here. Yeah, hold out your hand. Okay, hold out your hand. There we go. There's one. There's two, there's three, 
there's four, there's five, there's six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. Feeling blessed? Good. All right. You wait right here. We're not done yet. Okay. Any teenagers here? Any teenagers? Come on, I thought there'd be a lot more volunteers when you saw how this thing is working. Uh, no, you sit down there, buddy. Teenagers, coming up. What's your name, bro? Kondwani. Come stand here. Come stand here. All right. Now, Kondwani, my brother, I'm pleased with your life. I see the covenantal relationship. And I'm ready to take us to a new level. Are you ready to go to a new level in God? Amen, bro. So here we go. There's, there's one. Amen. There's two. Amen. There's three. There's four. Amen. There's five. There's six. There's seven. Amen. There's eight. There's nine. There's ten. Alright, feeling blessed. Amen. Amen. Good. <laughs> Any students here this evening? Coming up, my brother. What are you studying? What are you studying? Electrical engineering. Okay. I'm pleased with your life, bro. I want to bless you. Alright? So hold out your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Feeling blessed? Okay. Guys, now, now gather around you. Gather around you. Okay. Now, I've blessed you, each of you, because of our covenantal relationship together. I want to take you deeper in your walk with me. I want you to learn to trust me in more and more things. But I want you to be faithful with something. I want you to be faithful by giving back one-tenth. In other words, one of those that I've given you, and I want you to keep the other nine and use the way I, you know, you'd like to use them. And the reason I want you to do that is not because I need the cash, but you need to be part of this process. Because I want to partner with you in building my kingdom in this place. Are you guys prepared to do that? Okay. So let's have one of those back. No, no, you keep the nine, my darling. I just need that one back. How's that, eh? How's that for a good deal? Okay? How about one of those? Thanks, bro. Thank you. You guys feeling, still feeling blessed? Yeah. Still feeling blessed? Okay. You're not feeling less blessed, all right? Because now not only do you have 90% for your own discretion, but you're partnering with me to go and change the city, right? Okay. So, so this happens. And this happens month after month. And then one day God approaches you and says, my darling, are you ready to go to the next level in our relationship together? You are? Okay, so what I've got here is five rand coins. Okay? Are you ready? You're ready for this blessing? Okay, hold out your other hand because I know that one's full. Okay? Alright, so here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. How are you feeling? Blessed. <laughs> Tell me, are you still ready to partner with me in this? Are you ready to give me one back of it, one of those back? Okay. Thank you, my darling. Now go be blessed and use that in whichever way you want to use it, but bring glory and honor to my kingdom. Amen. Amen. Boys, you know what? <laughs> I'm pleased with your lives. 
and soon we're going to be ready to take our relationship to a new level as well. But not tonight, all right? <laughs> all right, my darling, off you go. Enjoy that. This morning, we had a little Josh. And Josh, when the fives landed up in his hand, he just said, there's no way I'm giving you any one of those back. <laughs> so, and you know what, folks? That's okay. Because God knows. And God knows if you are okay with the ones, might take a little while, but you'll be okay with the fives too, all right? And He's going to be ready to take you deeper and deeper. Folks, tithing is just simply an act of gratitude towards God as a result of a relationship. There are certain principles, those principles in God's Word. But He's not about to beat you over the head with it. He's going to woo you and pursue you until that revelation hits your heart. And the attitude of a tither is just simply saying, God, I want to partner with you. God, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for that, but God, I want to partner with you and I want to be part of the process of transforming the city. Amen. Let's pray together. Pastor Sai, will you join me up here, bud? Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word, that it has the power to transform. And so, Lord Jesus, we just pray that as that word has gone out this evening, God, we embrace it in our hearts. We embrace that word and we say, Lord, take us from where we are now, but take us deeper. Our desire is a more intimate relationship with you that transcends all areas. Because, God, we're in covenant with you and you're in covenant with us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us get to the place you want us to be in our financial relationship with you. We want to be faithful in this area of tithing, God. We want to be able to respond with an attitude of gratefulness and gratitude. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Pastor Sai, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just praying for those that are just trusting God for a breakthrough. Maybe a job. Maybe just, you know, they're struggling to make ends meet. Amen. Just as we, in that attitude of prayer, I just want to remind you that as Dorian was talking, the Bible says, test me in this. The only area in the Bible where God says, test me in this, it's in the area of giving and tithing. So in this attitude, I just want us to come before the Lord and say, God, we want to test you in this. We want to test you in the area of our finances. Amen. We want to test you and see your goodness in our lives. And by raising your hand, I want you just to surrender to the Lord. I want you to just say, God, I want to test you in this area. I want to test you in this area. If you're here, he says, I've never experienced this and I need a breakthrough in my life financially. And I'm going to test God in this. Just raise your hands. Both your hands and surrender to God. Father God, I just want to pray for all these people, Lord. I speak your breakthrough over their finances. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that there's a step out, Lord God, and just become faithful in giving, Father, Amen. and giving back to you what Amen. belongs to you, Father, that they will experience bountifully, Lord God. Because you said, test me in this. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will reveal yourself and you'll show yourself, Father God, in ways they never expected, Father. And Lord, I even pray for miracles, Lord God, financially, Lord. Father, that debts will be erased, eradicated, Father God. Amen. Amen. Closed up. Credit cards will be destroyed, Father God. Because there's a new season that you're calling these people into, Father God. Amen, Lord Jesus. We speak your breakthrough in the area of finances. That's right, sir. 
And also tonight, I just want to speak your peace, Father. Peace, peace, peace. To know that God has taken care of it all. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Lord. If you're trusting God for a job, if you're trusting God for a breakthrough in finances, will you just stand? Anybody here? Amen. All right, so can you stand now? And if you could then just raise your hands, because what I'd like the rest of us to do is I'd like the rest of us to stand up and go and find somebody with their hands raised. And I want you to lay your hands on them. Because this is what it's all about, folks. This is what it means to stand together and support each other. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. If you have your hands up and no one's standing around you, will you wave them vigorously, please? Okay. Lord Jesus, we pray for breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you will unlock those dead wells, those blocked wells in Jesus' name. God, we pray that you would give insight. We pray that you would give creativity. We pray that you would give conviction. God, we pray that you would open doors that are being knocked on right now. Lord Jesus, we pray for your windows of blessing to open and to fall and to fall and to fall in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you for the breakthrough, Lord Jesus. We honor you. We praise you. We say hallelujah. Amen. Amen.